Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the D-Raise Bay Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brett Rutherford, and I'm joined by the managing editor at DRaiseBay.com, Danny Russell. Hey, Brett. Danny, we've there's a lot of news. Uh, free agency has been unreal in Major League Baseball. We've got I think the I think the key to that is if you want Major League Baseball to be like NBA free agency, you need to lock out every year. Uh, we've seen a ton of <laughs> signings the last two days. If you want MLB to be like the NBA free agency, you need to predetermine what all contracts are going to look like through the CBA. And the CBA blows up tomorrow when we're recording (laughs) here. So, you know, maybe the new CBA can do that. Just kidding. That will never happen. But uh, it has been a very, very exciting couple of days. And even even for the Rays, dipping their toes into the free agent market, let's let's start right there. The Rays sign right-handed pitcher, former Cy Young Award winner, former New York Yankee as of last year, Corey Kluber. Uh, shocking, but maybe it isn't shocking? No, Well, it's not shocking at all uh, if if you paid close attention last year where Corey Kluber was choosing between the Rays and the Yankees. And uh, even though he followed a pitching coach to the Yankees, he uh, the pitching coach who had, who had helped him rehab and then got hired by the Yankees. So it was a very natural and, and reasonable fit. But until that hire happened, Kluber was looking at the Rays as his next destination. There ended up being a minor bidding war. And then he signed for like $11 million uh, to go to the Yankees. And the Rays were in that bidding war the whole time, which was surprising because the Rays did not have a lot of money to spend. But clearly they believed that after basically two years of injury that Kluber was the guy who was who was going to be the fit. He went to New York. He performed great. He threw that no-hitter. He got hurt immediately after that no-hitter. Yeah. And then he came back and was effective, but only had his velocity back, I think, in one out of those five outings. So it was kind of weird. Uh, you know, he was effective, but what was he throwing his typical, like, 92, 93? Maybe not. Um He's entering his age 36 season, so that makes that interesting. The Rays are not committed to 11, though. They're committed to eight with, you know, incentives that could actually pay more than 11. It could pay 13. Very exciting. And also, the surprising thing about this is to make room on the roster to sign Cy Young winner through a no-hitter last year, Corey Kluber. They traded an all-star. They traded Joey Wendell away, the, the rock of the third base defense over the last uh, two seasons, a, a four-year regular piece of um, the finally competitive again Tampa Bay Rays. So very interesting day. Before we dive into the the Joey Wendell trade, which went down today on the day of recording, Corey Kluber, the, the escalators in that deal, the incentives in that deal, they're not innings-based. Um, they're based on games started. And we know the mm. Rays, do, do they even have starting pitchers? Like this is, I thought that was a little bit odd. Maybe there's a a, a gentleman's agreement between uh, the Rays and Corey Kluber that they are going to use him as a traditional starter. It seems that would be the case or else I don't, 
really get these incentives. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. It's a who who's to say what those negotiations went like. Uh maybe they're learning some lessons from the Rich Hill experience and uh they they wanted to move him into an opener's role, which it would be a game start. Uh and then yeah. uh they ended up needing him as a traditional starter, and then when they wanted to transition him again, he was upset about it. What, is he as upset if he has a contract that says you get paid more for game start and therefore you should be an opener? And I don't know. That's an interesting what if. I think those are <laughs> those are questions I will now consider. I hadn't thought about that before. But, you know, Kluber's averaging at least four innings ago, probably. It, uh, so it's at least a bulk guy. So I'm not concerned about opening, quote unquote, for him um, unless some, something injury related happens. And maybe because he's only going four, maybe five innings to start for the Rays, maybe using the game started as an incentive does make a lot more sense. Um, he only threw 80 innings last year. And before, the two years before that, he barely threw at all. I don't think the Rays are expecting anywhere close to 150 innings from a guy like Corey Kluber. As a fan, I'm kind of happy if he throws 100 solid innings on this deal. Well, here, I just pulled it up. 16 starts last year uh, that he was healthy for. All 16 were starts, so none of them were in relief in his age 35 season, and it looks like one, two, three. Only three of them were less than four innings. Uh, one of those was a very bad start, his second start of the year in April, and the other two you know, were fine, and he only went three innings. Uh, and one of those three inning outings was the one after the no-hitter where he got hurt. So I don't know. <laughs> the rest of those outings, there are at least four innings. Some of them are six. One of them is nine. So I, I'm feeling like if you're happy with the medical situation and you have to trust that the race would be, uh, you know, hopefully they've learned some lessons from last year where uh, they chose not to retain their Cy Young worthy grizzled veteran uh, and diversified with a bunch of injured pitchers. And now we're kind of bringing it back together and spending one amount of money on, on a veteran again. Instead of, but one with injury. I don't know. It's like we combined the Morton situation and then whatever the heck happened last year with the rotation where no one was helpful. And, but then again, I just said no one was helpful. Michael Rich Walker Hill. just got 7 million from the Red Sox. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, you're only giving 8 million to Kluber. So how different is the, is the landscape? How different is this situation? Uh, I would much rather have Corey Kluber for 8 million than Michael Walker again for seven. I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean, a walk, I think you can count on maybe a few more innings, but but maybe not. Who knows? Maybe Kluber's fully healthy in 2022. Uh, before we move on, real quick trivia. I put this out on Twitter. I don't know if you saw it. Um, so, like we said, Corey Kluber, former Cy Young Award winner. Do you know the only other pitcher that the Rays acquired, have acquired in the past in franchise history, who also had a Cy Young Award in tow? Acquired? With a Cy Young already. So obviously they had two that were already on the team, David Price and, and Blake Snell. That I was about with, to say. So they've got, they've had their share. Um, no, hit me. Dwight Gooden. Who okay, I was 19, not going to get yeah, that. 1986 and pitched like eight starts for the team way back when. So I did not remember that at all. Neither do I, but it happened. <laughs> um, so Corey Kluber is the right. second. The Corey Kluber <laughs> pod is, is rolling. 
No, I mean, this is really exciting. The Rays get their white whale too. I think that's the other takeaway. Um, You know, hopefully the player and the team learned that last year, you know, the decision probably should have been to go to the Rays and now it is now it's happening. So he righted that wrong. And and, uh, like you said, making room on the 40 man roster, the Rays had a trade, uh, I, I guess, fan favorite. You could say that about almost any player on this team. They're so lovable. Joey Wendell headed to Miami in exchange for outfielder Cameron Mis- Misner. Meisner? Don't know if I'm pronouncing that 100% correctly, uh, but Joey Wendell's gone. Mr. Misner? Mr. Misner to you. Joey, Joey Wendell's gone, and I, I, to be honest, I'm a little I'm, – I'm not a little sad. I'm a lot sad. Uh, well, then you talk about it. Um, I, I'm not sad in terms of like the team, but I, I, one of my favorite parts about following this team is hearing some of the stories from inside the clubhouse. You hear Kevin Cash and Joey Wendell always bantering back and forth uh, about how Kevin, you know, Kevin Cash would say that the starting pitcher would uh, text Cash and uh, you know be upset that he's benched Joey Wendell for the night that he's not starting. He doesn't get to face Joey Wendell, and yeah. I always loved that. You know, he he was. With, without using so many uh, racial tropes, the, the, the heart and hustle guy, the gritty guy, the big forearms guy, no batting gloves. And not only that, like he was pretty damn good. He was an all-star this year, uh, was always an above-average hitter when he was healthy with the Rays, and played some really good defense at, at third and at second. And when he had to fill in at short, he was really good there too. So sad to see him go, but it, I guess – the, the raised depth, it just keeps showing that there's not enough room for all these guys on the 40-man roster. I'm pretty sure this opens up a space for Taylor Walls to be a full-time big league player. Still a lot of offseason left, so I don't want to make any predictions, uh, but it seems like he's going to fit into that roster spot, maybe Vidal Brujan as well, uh, pretty seamlessly. I mean, that was my first reaction as well, was this clears room not only for Kluber, but clears room for Taylor Walls to step into that same role, that similar function of the left side of the infield and, and filling in with extremely good defense. Um, Joey Wendell was acquired four years ago uh, for Jonah Heim, <laughs> which was just, I mean, incredible value there um, from the yeah. A's. And he was intended to be God's gift to second base defense. Yeah. So him becoming a top flight defensive third baseman who can cover at short was a very pleasant surprise. I mean, that, is that a big leap to say, oh, he's God's gift to second base defense and then he is good at other infield positions? I guess that shouldn't sound surprising, but mm-hmm. he was not acquired with that in mind because the the report and the story was, well, the arm isn't there for it. Um, and also it, that profile kind of lingered for me those first two seasons as well, because I'm looking at Joey Wendell and I'm thinking, uh, okay, first off appearance wise, you're right. He does seem like an old timey uh, <laughs> baseball player. Like I, he's playing stickball When I look yeah. at Joey Wendell, I, I think I've previously joked. I don't remember if it was on the pod or not that uh, my favorite thing Joey Wendell ever did was um, tell Jackie Robinson that we should all wear 42 and the number 42. Because whenever that scene comes up in that movie, I'm like, is that Joey Wendell? Uh, he just fits into that old timey uh, uh, appearance of, of what baseball players used to be. Uh, fast forward to 2020 and he's the starting third baseman in the World Series. And I never would have anticipated that. So Joey Wendell, huge win just generally um, as, as a defensive uh 
and an impressive specimen. This year he hit uh, double digit home runs for the first time in his yeah. career. Uh, his profile was not one where I ever thought that was going to happen because he was always a no walk, no power second baseman. I did not believe in Joey Wendell when he was acquired and he has surprised me every step of the way. I think every season looking to next year, I was always thinking, do we trade Joey Wendell now? Because I'm not sure that he can ever be as good as he just was. And he continues to be uh, very good. So kudos to Joey Wendell who uh, both earned an all-star placement and then once he reached arbitration, earned a trade. So <laughs> congrats, Joey Wendell. You're gone. You cost more <laughs> than $500,000. I think there's a little bit more to the trade than that. It, it does make sense with him entering arbitration when you've got Taylor Walls that can fill in at the at the league minimum. We can be honest about that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the return, but before that, I got a reference our good friend Jason Collette on Twitter, uh, who referenced the oh, Darby. Uh, Darby's been banging this exact same drum. Well, you know where I'm Darby. going, right? Okay, so Darby, Jason, and Darby. So back on December 11, 2017, the day the Rays acquired Joey Wendell, the New York Yankees also acquired uh, some player named Giancarlo Stanton um, from the Mar from the Marlins, uh, who was carrying this massive contract, had won an MVP award in the National League, um, and since then. Giancarlo Stanton has acquired has accumulated 7.7 wins above replacement, according to Fangraphs. Joey Wendell, on the other hand, who was acquired, like you said, for Jonah Heim, has accumulated 8.1 wins above replacement for the Tampa Bay Rays. And yeah, it's he's just been one of those players that even after like a really good, what was that, 2018, his first year, like in 2019, he had a bit of a rough year, but he was injured the whole year. So you weren't sure what was real, what he was going to bounce back like. And bounce back he did in a really big way these last two seasons. And a player that will be like remembered very, very fondly during this this era of Rays baseball. One of the staples of this the, these trips back to the postseason, the, the team getting back to winning ways um, after some, some middling seasons. And he'll always be remembered for that. Uh, let's talk about the return. Cameron Misner, we mentioned him quickly. He was a first-round pick in the competitive balance rounds back in 2019. In 2021, he played in high A and double A in 2021. And looking at his fan grass page, looks like he's got a lot of raw power. He's got some speed, could probably play. I mean, this is a fun, this is a very fun uh, value to get back. I mean, he's he's a traditional baseball player where joey wendell breaks the mold right. of of a modern baseball player this is much more of what you expect uh in terms of modern baseball uh left-handed hitting outfielder who steals a lot of bases who strikes out a lot and hit more home runs than joey wendell last year uh six four two eighteen like he's he looks I like mean, the first round pick right yeah and, and that's the range in which you draft a blake snell Right. So this yeah. is an extremely good return uh, for for Joey Wendell turning turning Jonah Heim into Joey Wendell is something else. Wait, well, how did we get Jonah Heim? No clue. What trade was that? It's Why not did part I just of the... blank on that? That was one of those computer trades. Computer trade says this catcher will do. Hold on. Jonah Heim. Feel free to cut my Googling. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll just keep going on, on Misery. He's going to be 24 years old and probably starting, I don't know, double-A, triple-A. I guess the Rays will evaluate. Um, it was the Orioles. Was this the go. Tim Beckham Steve trade? Steve Pierce. Steve Pierce. 
Steve Pierce trait. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we turned Steve. The Tim Pierce. Beckham trait is the is the Tobias Myers. We'll have to get to that at the end of the pod. Yeah, T- Steve Pierce into Joey Wendell now into Cameron Misner. And I, yeah, I think it, when you've got guys that can step up and and play like Taylor Walls and Vidal Bruhan and maybe Jonathan Aranda and some of these other guys that are added to the forty man roster, you're okay losing a Joey Wendell. You didn't just lose him. You got a pretty good return for him. Uh, the other deal that was made uh, was the Rays signing. Left-handed pitcher, Brooks Raley, reliever, to a two-year major league deal with an option for a third with $10 million guaranteed. Danny, I didn't think this was possible for the Rays to sign a reliever to a multi-year deal and and, and have it be $10 million. Um, honestly, out of all the moves the Rays have made this offseason, this one is the most shocking and probably will stay that way, even if they make some wacky trade and trade Brandon Lau tomorrow. Yeah, this is a... This is a really fun one, too, because Rayleigh is one of those guys whose peripheral RA wasn't telling the full story. And also, he's 33. He spent five years, five years in Korea as a starter Mm -hmm. before coming stateside and pitching with Houston. Uh, I mean, my first instinct is that the Rays were tired of uh, messing around with the left-handed pitching out of the bullpen, right? Uh, I mean, Adam Conley was a really cool piece to add in toward the end of last year. And I wish that he had not hit the COVID IL because it would have been really fun to see what yeah. he could have done with that high octane stuff out of the bullpen. And I still have fingers crossed for him to return. I, I don't know if he's got a landing spot or not, but um, Rayleigh's fun and also might be more of a bolt guy, even though he's left-handed because of his history of starting. And I think he had a lot of suitors. And he chose the Rays based on the opportunity in front of him and what the pitching coaches uh, kind of had in mind for for where the the tail end of his career goes from here. And I do mean tail end. Dude's already thirty three. This is this you know presumably the sunset of where he's at. And the Rays have uh, a clear vision for using him for two seasons, maybe a third. That I mean that is a very surprising contract on its own. He he referred to the Rays as the mecca. Of pitching, and I think that is again another testament to how the Rays and their their on field operations, specifically on the pitching side of things, how they're viewed around baseball. You talked you know, when they, when they acquired DJ Johnson last year. That was the first thing he said. He was I was shocked when I found out that the Rays out of all teams wanted me, and I couldn't be anything but excited. It looks like Brooks Raley feels the same way. Signed on for two years at least, uh, and and I think we we always talk about when the Rays acquire, even if it's a nobody reliever, whether it be on waivers or a trade, we say, well, if the Rays like him, I like him. If the Rays like a guy this much, then I love him. I'm ready for it. You're looking at his numbers from last year with Houston, 49 innings pitched, 4.78 ERA. Then you look at, like you said, the peripherals, a 3.27 FIP, a 2.9 XFIP, um, almost 12 strikeouts per nine innings and walks per nine under three. Uh, this is a guy that, it's pretty clear to see why the Rays would like him. And I'm really excited to have him in, in the bullpen for 2022 and, and beyond. He's also a, a um, not pitch to contact, a, uh, a soft contact guy, right? Yeah. So if you trust your defense, this is a great pitcher to have. A high strikeout guy and a soft contact guy. I mean, I think that's a, that's a good recipe for success. I'm pretty sure RJ Anderson had him as one of the top free agents of the, of the entire offseason. 
and expected yeah. kind of like a raised Dodgers, you know, someone with an advanced mindset to be the one to pick him up. So that, I think this is a very fun signing. And this is one where the reputation of the team can precede you enough that you can you can land the player. Maybe that's how you get Kluber, too. Yeah, I, I definitely think that that plays a role. All right, we're going to take a quick break and on the other side, run through some of the other smaller moves the Rays made this offseason. Before we get into some of the moves that were made, let's talk about one move that was not made. So in the rumor mill again was Kevin Kiermeyer. We heard his name a lot in, uh, back in July. Uh, and today, it sounds like the Rays were actively shopping him before this non-tender deadline. They end up moving Joey Wendell. Uh, two of the teams that were brought up, Philadelphia and, and New York, the Yankees. Again, another team there was rumors back in July about. Danny, I mean, I'm, are you are you shocked that he hasn't been traded already? Um, you know, mildly, I guess, just because of the of the the dollar values attached to Kevin Kiermaier at this point. Um, but also not because the Rays are not going to move Kevin Kiermaier for nothing. They signed a dude and are paying him adequately to play the best defense that you can find in the outfield. So any trade return needs to match that one for one. As far as him getting shot, I mean, the Phillies are new. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so a guy out of the Rays front office got plucked to be the mm-hmm. assistant GM for uh, Sam Fold and Dave Dombrowski. And the first thing that comes up is that they want Kevin Kiermaier. That's not too surprising because that dude has seen the data, right? He knows how good Kevin Kiermaier is and how good the computer systems in Philly should be telling them. And, and you know, maybe they'll get there soon. Uh, that's that's conjecture. I don't actually know what Philly's computers <laughs> say. Um, and so, yeah, surprising and not surprising. It's interesting that the Yankees kind of came up again uh, last, uh, like a year ago, the Cubs were the ones that really wanted Kiermaier, and then he stayed at the trade deadline. The Yankees were the ones who really wanted Kiermaier, and he stayed. And then now we've got Philly entering the fray. But we've got three very different teams between the Cubs, the Phillies, and the Yankees who are all interested. The Yankees were also uh, potentially in on Joey Wendell uh, based on some of the the Twitter chatter as well. Uh, that just seems gross. Uh, which is harder for you to stomach? Joey Wendell, Wendell in pinstripes or Kevin Kiermeyer? <laughs> I think it's Wendell. That's tough to say. But clean-shaven Kevin Kiermeyer, that would be a little upsetting, That's awkward. I think. Yeah. That's a little tough, right? Uh, Kluber came to the race because he wants a beard. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know what to make of it yet. What I do like about the Yankees being in is I don't think the Yankees are a place you would salary dump one of your better yeah. athletes on the roster in division. So if Kevin Kiermaier is being traded to the Yankees, it's because the Yankees are far and above the best offer for Kevin Kiermaier. And that just means you're getting a strong return. You're making the trade because you got the return like minimum that you need. And then you go to the Yankees only if they are far and above the best, you know, trade offer on the table. And then you just trust your process. So, and and an opportunity to rob one of your rivals of a very good return is, has to be just as uh, interesting as sending away one of your best athletes. So uh, let's see what happens. I don't know. They made the roster spot by trading Wendell instead. But it would have been interesting if Kiermaier was the one to go. Yeah, and, and if they want to make other additions, yeah, maybe Kevin Kiermaier again, they look to move him. The Yankees seem like the right fit, honestly. You look at their roster at the beginning of last year when they were dealing with injuries. They had, like, Clint Frazier in left, Brett Gardner in center. Like, that outfield defense was pretty atrocious. Then they acquired Joey Gallo. I have no idea if he's going to be on their team next year. 
If they had run out an outfield of Joey Gallo, Kevin Kiermaier, or Aaron Judge, that's defensively and offensively just a really, really good outfield. So it seems like the Yankees would – there's no reason uh, – it's pretty clear why the Yankees would want Kevin Kiermaier. I just don't know if there's ever going to be a deal that the Rays can find that, that fits their needs and that they'll be comfortable moving Kiermaier to New York. And like you said, they're more than comfortable just keeping him because he's still – even though he's going into his age 33 season – a very good outfielder and this year I think he finished with like an above average WRC plus or maybe I'm maybe I'm making that up. Way to go, Kevin Kiermer. I think I made that up. I don't know if that happened. But I'm I'm a Kevin Kiermeyer stan. I don't care who knows it. And to the cloud. Um, yeah. um well, let's let's run through some of these smaller moves. I know we've talked about losing Joey Wendell. There are some other fan favorites or, or big time names in, 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 in Ray's history. hundred and one moved on. hundred and one WRC plus. There you go. What a season for Kevin I knew it was Kiermaier. Close. Um, so I'm going to run through kind of rapid fire, Danny, and, and you just want to kind of fire off your thoughts on, on these players who are, are now gone, who are no longer with us. And by us, I mean the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, Mike Brasso traded to Milwaukee for right-handed pitcher Evan Reifert. Uh, great. Mike Brasso uh, did not have a place on the roster this season. He has a place in all of our hearts because of his contributions to 2020, the heroic home run in the playoffs, the instigating of the stable situation and being caught up in all of that. Of course, we love Mike Brasso. He did not have a road to playing time, and now he goes to an organization where he does have a road to playing time. So I love that for him as an athlete, as a, as a player who should be developing and getting those opportunities. Lewis Head traded to Miami for a player to be named later. I, I mean, <laughs> uh, Lewis Head is good. Um, and I think he surprised a lot of people by contributing the way that he did. And um, I don't have any thoughts about losing a depth piece like Lewis Head at this point in the offseason. Yeah, uh, I'll ask the you one season, more. The offseason is far too long. I'll ask you one more. Another depth guy. He's a favorite of a couple of guys at D-Ray's base. I, I've got to ask. Uh, left-handed pitcher Dietrich Enns released to sign in Japan. Now that, I mean, that's just doing a, a player a favor. I love that for Dietrich Enns, right? An opportunity to be in an environment where he's the guy mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, kind of shine. You know, that's a really, um, that's a player considering his skill set and trying to figure out where he adds value and what would be best for him personally. And if what's best for him personally is to go to Japan and pitch for the the Cebu Lions, I believe, uh, that's fantastic. That's great. And the Rays want to be a team where, you know, their depth guys that sign like head uh, perform well and then want an opportunity for uh, uh, a brighter light or um, a bigger stage to keep on performing like you need to have a shop that cultivates pitchers into better pitchers that gain more responsibilities right so head going off to the marlins to gain more responsibilities or ends going to japan to do the exact same thing that's incredible i love that that's a sign of a strong organization i'd love to be able to find footage of some of his games next year the way they do you do baseballs over there we've seen the stuff that dietrich ends has I'm, i'm really excited for him uh, Brett Honeywell, right-handed pitcher Brett Honeywell, traded to Oakland for cash considerations. So this is another situation where I, from what I understand, that was not the best offer for Honeywell, but they wanted to send him to a team where he would have opportunities. Honeywell has four injuries that he's been 
you know, uh, improving through, but the Rays did not want to put him in a situation or send him to an organization that was not going to treat him uh, like an important piece of the major league side or give him every opportunity to prove that he is. And so they sent him to what they thought was the best opportunity for the player. Respect that a ton. This is all good press for the Rays. (laughs) All three of those moves are good press for the Rays. And we need to find a way to, to improve the narrative because sometimes I feel like the Rays get um, unnecessarily crapped on. Uh, They get crapped on necessarily. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But I've always said, if you want to know how to criticize the Rays, there are like plenty of of, of ways that they are open for criticism, uh, but there are many that are just pulled out of thin air. Um, right-handed pitching prospect Tobias Myers, some question of whether or not he was going to be added to the 40-man roster. Instead, they trade him to Cleveland for uh, 18-year-old shortstop Junior Camanera, who is yet to play stateside. Yeah, it's really hard to know when uh, you have yet to play stateside. There are a lot of these types of deals. What you get is two organizations talk to each other a lot. They have a list of players that they're interested in that whenever you start spitballing about a larger deal um, or a bigger trade, you're saying, well, I here's my short list. I like this player. Um, and you do that a few times, three times, four times, whatever. And you have consistent players that are on there. That's my feel, not sourced. But that is my feel for how you get a guy like Junior. It's so did this start as a Jose Ramirez Myers. trade and it get whittled down to Tobias Myers for Junior Camanera? Yes, honestly, yes. That's exactly how it happens. You keep on calling about Jose Ramirez. You start discussing what other players you would want involved. Junior is just sitting there on a list. And then you do that a couple times. And then you come to a new place where you need to move Tobias Myers. You ask around. Cleveland's the type of organization that would value Myers. And so, um, you know, you say, here's my short list of, of players that I'm still interested in. They're like, yes, we would be willing to move junior for Myers. And you're like, sweet. That's my best offer in front of me. Let's go. All right. Another uh, postseason hero, even though it's weird saying that in a game that ended 14 to six in favor of the Red Sox, but um, outfielder slash first baseman Jordan Luplo traded to Arizona for another middle infielder, Ronnie Simon, Ronnie Simone, not sure the pronunciation there. Yeah, I'm going to roll with Simon for the moment. Um, but, uh, you know, he was playing out of the Dominican. So I do, I don't want a Luis Robert situation where we're just calling him Simon unnecessarily if there's a, a proper pronunciation. Um, this is exactly the same situation as the junior where I would yeah. anticipate that the Rays are calling on the regular about, I don't know, Kettle. And you're just trying to figure out if, uh, you know, you can build out a deal and there's a short list of players you're interested in. And then lo and behold, they feel that they need to move one of their depth pieces. I thought Luplo was going to stay personally, just because um, the Rays are always looking for that right-handed hitting uh, first base outfield situation. Yeah. Right. And he seemed like a perfect fit for that. Maybe, you know, with so many switch hitters and now acquiring yet another switch hitting prospect, you know, uh, I guess Eric Neander just needs to catch them all. I'm not sure. Uh, but Ronnie Simone, a very interesting player. Um, he's probably in the infield, second base, third base kind of projection. Um, he's very young. So what he is going to be is not abundantly clear to me yet. Um, I 
where he fits on the top prospect list, I haven't even thought about yet. I mean, the same with the Brasso trade. I, I haven't gotten a chance to watch any tape or, or, you know, try to talk to the people that I usually talk to. But, I mean, I'll take Simone. I think he's cool. Yeah, I mean, Luplo, focusing on him a little bit, he was acquired at the deadline, at right at the deadline for a very specific purpose. And while he was with the team, he served that purpose. Uh, it was hopefully yeah. to go on a deep postseason run, and he could hit a couple more grand slams throughout. It didn't work out like that, um, but I'm not shocked that they decided to move him. Seemed like he would have had a spot, but now in Arizona. The last move, uh, well, not really a move the Rays made. It was one of their free agents. Mentioned him earlier, Michael Walker, signing a one-year $7 million deal with the Boston Red Sox. I prefer Kluber. I prefer Kluber as well. I, I'm interested in Waka, not at that price. Again, not my money. I mean, the Rays can spend as much as they want. Um, but it's just a lot of uncertainty with Michael Waka. was never really consistent. I know a lot of that you can tie to which pitches he was using. Ultimately, I'm not going to lose any sleep over losing Michael Waka, and I don't think really any other Rays fans will either. No, of course. I, well, Walker was a reliever of the race down the stretch, and presumably he'll need to fill a much larger role for Boston. And again, we see a pitcher coming to the Rays uh, as a depth piece. Michael Walker was not guaranteed anything in, in terms of how he was going to be used. And as the year went on, he kind of lost his standing in the rotation, right? Uh, and yet, through developing his pitches, changing the pitch mix, the Red Sox, Heim Bloom seems in, to see enough in Michael Walker to say, like, we're going to try and use this dude uh, and he'll make on paper more than double what he made with the Rays. You know, after taxes, maybe it is what yeah. he made with the Rays. Boston, you know, yep. the, the tax that you said, you know, from. I don't know. Um, I do know. I sadly <laughs> live in Boston, sadly for the listeners of this podcast. I'm sorry. Um, I don't know. Good for him. Yeah, good for him. It's a good org. Dollars. This is nice. what happens. Your depth pieces perform a little bit, and then they go side for big, and you got to do it again. Again, no shock. Like Hein Bloom up in Boston probably has similar thoughts on Michael Walker that the Rays did, and that's where he goes. And last one, this last uh, piece, not really big news here, but uh, one, no players were non-tendered from the Tampa Bay Rays. The last one, G-Man Troy Rays agree on a $3.2 million salary for 2022. Last year, he went to arbitration. Sounds like he was not really happy with the way the arbitration process went. This year, him and the team come to terms, $3.2 million. Uh, I think it's a fair deal on both sides. It is a fair deal. And we've talked about G-Man Troy before in this context. He's not really the kind of player that has trade value. Um, you know, it can kind of be similar to the way we're talking about camera, but for different reasons. G-Man Choi, you know, the at least the the large side of a platoon at first base share, uh, performing very well, you know, whatever yeah. 127 WRC plus or he's putting up, um, you know, doing the splits on defense back in 2020 and 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 really showing up. And yet, you know, you couldn't trade him for Jonah Heim. Right. So I it's just a weird time for the first base market in the major league baseball landscape where you're not going to be able to trade G man Choi for uh, a strong return in the same way that you can trade Joey Wendell for a first round draft pick essentially. So it's, um, it's great to have him back. He's also potentially top five, most famous players or most popular <laughs> players on the team. So That's keeping G man Choi yeah. around is just 
good for the fan base, uh, I would say. I mean, I don't know if Joey Wendell's in that top five. I would think that the top five is something like Wander Franco, obviously, Kevin Randy Rosarena. Rosarena and Brett Phillips. Yeah, Brett Phillips. And Tyler Glass now. Yeah, Glass now, of course. But out of all those players, the only one that has a song for themselves <laughs> is essentially G Man Choi. So, um, you know, the loudspeaker even plays it. So, yeah, I think it's good for the fan base to keep him. Yeah, and the other one is is just I, I think the fact that this didn't go to arbitration. I think he was probably a non tender candidate unless the Rays could get him at a price that they were comfortable with. Maybe they weren't comfortable with this going to arbitration, and G Man maybe getting closer to or above four million dollars. Um, so maybe they decided to to keep him once they got the the number they liked. And yeah, like you said, he's a pretty good first baseman. Has hit really well, and that's. Something the race can use. So glad to have him back again. Another fan favorite. This also doesn't preclude the race from trading him later. You know, I just gave that big speech about him not having trade value, but all it takes is one team to think, dang, we could really use, you know, G man choice bat. And then all of a sudden you have a deal happening. So um, we'll see what happens. But for the meantime, they agreed on a dollar value and it's uh, it's a better deal for the race than, um, you know, the projections out there, which is MLB trade rumors, which is typically very strong. The race saved like $300,000 for their projections, yeah. um, which in a lot of cases are dead on. So it's a good deal for the Rays, and it's uh, and it's a good de- day for the fan base to keep GM enjoy. Yep. He'll get $3.2 million, whether it's with the Rays or someone else. Uh, Danny, before we go, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Have you raised your voice? Who's one player, free agent or trade target? that you want the Rays to go after now uh, the rest of this offseason? Oh, I had to have a free agent? Oh, man. No, I, I'm putting you on the spot intentionally. It doesn't have to be a free agent. Well, you, that's what you said, though. You said a free or agent. Or a trade target. Um, or a trade target. Or a trade target. That's not Jose Ramirez, because we discussed him the last time you were on. <laughs> I was about to say, so you, you just traded your third baseman, uh, your defensive <laughs> third baseman. So now... You need to consider who's going to replace him at third base. If you're not going to let me say Jose Ramirez, which is not fair because that's exactly who I wanted to come back to again. (laughs) Um, And I have to tell a different story. Can Kettle Marte play, uh, play third base? I think he can play anywhere. That'd be fun. That would be a lot of fun. I mean, uh, assuming he's the same player uh, that he is in my brain. Um, I know. Wasn't he hurt last year? Let's. It's a lot of googling on this for pod. a little bit. Putting me on the spot, my guy. Yeah, I am. Marte is not in the lineup. Is the first thing it says on Fangraphs. Always very encouraging. One thirty nine WRC plus. I think he played center field last year for the Diamondbacks, which is dumb. Uh, entering his age twenty eight season, so he is you know either just at or. Uh, you know, just seeing the sunset of his prime. I'm scrolling down to his fielding. He has three appearances at third base. So nice. that would be something of a rolling of the dice, I think, for um you, there could be some shuffling. <laughs> for my thought experiment right there. Yeah, there could be some shuffling, maybe Brandon Lau or to or Austin Meadows to first base. You move Taylor Walls to third. I don't know. You figure it out. For a guy like Marte, I think I think that's a player you just add, and then it, it'll all work itself out. 
Yeah, maybe. He only appeared in 90 games. And in 2020, he appeared in 45 games out of the 60. So that's not a very good track record. I've got one for you. Yeah, go ahead. Tommy Pham. Oh, sure. The Rays would take Tommy Pham back in a heartbeat, I bet. Looking for a right-handed bat to play outfield last year. Uh, I mean, definitely a down year these last two years for him in San Diego. Um, 102 WRC plus in 2021, played at 155 games, still hit 15 home runs. A guy that, yeah, I think would work, fit really well into this this roster. I think for the most part, Tommy Pham has spoken pretty highly of his time with the Rays. Um, we know one thing about him, he he's has. very blunt. And I mm-hmm. think, I don't know what the market's going to look like, especially over these next couple months, uh, if he doesn't sign by tomorrow. Um, but I, I think that's that could be a potential match for both teams. The other one, the other name I would throw out there really quickly is Andrew McCutcheon, just because I love that guy and I would love to see him in a Rays uniform. Ken Marte is owed $8.4 million next year with options at 11 and 13. And we've seen the Rays are spending money. Maybe they've got enough to go out and get Catal Marte and pay him $8.4 million. We'll see. That would be silly. Lots of offseason left. Hopefully uh, things get worked out quickly between the league and the players union. But that's going to do it for this week's episode of Raise Your Voice. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Danny Russell for coming on. And as always, make sure to head on over to DRaysBay.com to check out all of the great Rays offseason coverage. If you like what we do, rating and reviewing our podcast network is the best way to spread it to more and more Rays fans. Once again, thank you guys for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.